Okay, so if you recall, and probably people's long-term memories right now are better than their short-term memories, <laughs> we were dealing with Birkat Amazon. Okay, and the parak deals with Birkat Amazon and what issues relate to Birkat Amazon, which don't. And then we began dealing with what needs a bracha beforehand and what doesn't need a bracha beforehand, uh, because again, the Torah talks about meaning after the fact. It has nothing to do with beforehand. Um, and we talked about why you would recite brachot beforehand and recognize both God's presence, a sense of gratitude, etc. And we went into a lot of material that relate to that with what kind of brachot are recited beforehand, why, when is Birkat Amazon needed, what happens if you have a, want to have a zimun and people are around and listening, not listening, etc., etc., etc. And then we had the case right near where we were dealing with it, what happens if you have many things in front of you? Which one over which do you say the bracha first? Okay, and to a large extent it became the, the, seven, bracha, the seven fruits by which Israel is supposed to have been blessed. All right? And we'll come back to that in a couple of moments. And so what we're kind of left with over the next little while is continuing to do that part of what brachot precede others, number one. Number two, if you say a bracha at the beginning, do you have to say another bracha in the middle or at the end? Or does one cover them all? And three, what happens when you do that? And do you have to do special birkat amazon or as we saw, the, the smaller one, the abbreviated one, etc., when you don't eat bread, etc. Again, remember all of this has to do with table fellowship, sense of community, a sense of purity when you come to the table, sense of gratitude for the food that you've been given. Again, we take it for granted. You go to the supermarket and you take something off the shelf. For them, it was the gr most of people were in still involved with agriculture, and therefore it was growing seasons and rains and fertility of the soil and harvesting and grinding and milling and everything else that goes with it that we know nothing about. We're all city dwellers here, or suburban dwellers, which makes it worse for that matter. <laughs> Our bis biggest claim is we see deer. You know, we're in the we're in the you know we're we're in their pile. You know, nature. We see deer or some or a ravine. That's about it. Squirrels, right? My grandchildren were very excited because you don't see squirrels in Israel. So that was a big big thing for them last time. This time they came. They said, "Oh, there's another one." Big deal. <laughs> you know, it depends what you get used to. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue on because now we're reviewing a lot in, in, in reverse because we've had a basic understanding where we are um, and that we'll continue to kind of deal with these kind of issues until the Gemara says, okay, we're finished with it, let's go to the next thing. Which is the way it basically works as we've seen in terms of the, the dialectics of the Talmudic discussion and arguments. Alright, any questions so far? Anything I've said? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right, so keep the list going around, if you don't mind. And when it finally finishes, just hand it back to me. Marcy will make up a new one, so things happen, we'll be able to... Everybody's done? Everybody yeah. signed in? No, this I didn't. Yeah, well... Okay, we're going to... It's in a sense that the Aleph, who wants to start us for this year? All right, friend, first, you know, Michael. You're a little slower, Michael. Okay, so the tough in Aramaic is a sheen in Hebrew, which means yashvu. They were sitting besudata. They're sitting having a meal. Okay, and brought before them were tamarim, which are okay, the rimonim. Pomegranates. Okay, so Rav Hamnuna is the first one who does something. Okay, and there's a long note on the side of these star books that who was Rav Hamnuna. He was an important person. There are a number of Rav Hamnunas. Um, to a large extent, um, he at least the one that, that may be referred to as a student of Rav. Okay, and Rav is 
Rabban Shmuel, Abba Aricha, who, came, who brings the Palestinian tradition to Babylonia. So rather important, rather significant in, in that realm. So I'm sorry, Shakal Barecha he took the Tmarim first, okay, and said the blessing. Okay, so Tmarim and Rimonim, okay. Okay, the verse is from the book of Deuteronomy. Okay, where what appear do Tmarim occur in, in there? In a sense, it's the Devash. Okay, the Tmarim is the Devash. Okay, it's date honey. The Rimonim, right? Who does? Okay, so. Rimon pomegranates occurs as one of the things by which Israel is blessed. Okay, so he, the principle seems to be Amar Rav Yosef, and some say Rav Yitzchak, Pasuk Libracha. Anything earlier, earlier in the Pasuk, in the verse, that should be said first. They're equivalent, they're both of the seven, so how do you make a decision? Anything closer to the beginning. Okay, anything closer to the beginning of the verse, that's the one that you would say first. That's at least what Rav Yosef and Rabbi Yitzchak suggest. And therefore, what's the problem? He's going in the reverse order. He's not doing it that way. Okay, he took okay the the the, the other one first. Okay, if it okay Eretz Zechem the the last one. Okay, is Dvash is right at the end. So. Meaning, if you read the verse, the word Eretz appears twice. Okay? Right? Rabbi Friedman's reciting the verse right now. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> right? It appears twice. One time, the first one is the fifth one in line to the first one. The second one is the second in line to the second one. And therefore he's saying, it's not really the beginning of the verse, but anything that's closer to the word, Eretz. That's what he I hold, and therefore, Tamarim come before Rimon. Okay, so... This is as a. This one basically says, you know, we should all we should have you around all times so we can learn from you more than anything else. Man yahivle nigre de farzala. Okay, take a pick the pay and make it a bet. What is barzel? Iron. Iron. Strength. Okay. Nigre are legs. Okay. Raglayim shel barzel. Rashi says you should be very very strong. Dvinashmina. We'll follow you and listen to you. Meaning. I now understand what you said. You're a great teacher. Makes sense. You should live long and prosper, as we learned in our uh, <coughs> more modern days. Okay? Um, we won't do the Iunim in this case. Uh, let's look at Orach HaHalacha, the second one. <laughs> So that becomes a halakha. Okay, that's the halakha. The halakha is that you follow whatever is closest to Eretz, either be the first Eretz or the second Eretz. Okay, now, why does this become important? Ooh, does it really matter? Hmm? Marcy, what? But it, it, there, there has to be an order. I mean, you know, you get two things in front of you, and what happens if one takes one and one takes the other, and they're saying the bracha? Is it so horrible? Community. No. But, alright, so remember, table fellowship. Okay, You're, you are there as part of the community, number one. Number two, what happens if one is Adaman, one's eights? Okay? And the first one says, oh, no, 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 that's not the right one. I'm saying. So at least there becomes, if you will, a convention. Okay, a convention, the way people um, act, 
which is accepted as part of the community. Now, are there disagreements? Naturally. But at a certain point, the halacha says, this is what you should do. And so it does stress the concept of community, and you're not out there on your own. You make the decision. That's not the way it works. Okay? And the small things are larger things. The size of the land to the fact that it's an agricultural society. Right, right, right. I mean, that you can say that's the more, more the metaphoric way. Okay? But the practical one is, you know, why does it really matter? You know? Does it, you know? And the answer is, again, you know, you t you try, you, if you're dealing with a sense of community, and let us say that, that these two aren't sitting there, but the Rav sitting with all of his Talmudim. Okay? With the disciples. Okay? In this place. What's going to be? They're watching what the rub is going to do, and they're going to then take it to the next place. Remember, we talked about yeshivas being not these big places, but small little academic circles, if you will. And then they move from another place to another place. That becomes the custom already, and as the custom, then it's translated from students, from teacher to disciple, and then that disciple becomes, if you will, over time, the next teacher. Okay, so think back again to if your family did brachot or did blessings or lit Friday night candles and everything, you watched. And do you do it the same way? In many cases, yes, not always. I mean, hagavotenu biyadenu, the tradition says, we follow in many cases what our tradition was. Okay, we just had this case here. Do you put on filling or not put on filling or cholamoy? Right? We get it all the time. People always come to me and say, and I said, depends who you ask. If you ask me, the answer is no. Right? My, my father, my grandfather never put on filling. So some people, so your answer is whatever your father did as such. Well, my father never put on filling. I say no. So, <laughs> so there's an answer. Most of my colleagues here put the, put the filling on until Hallel. Okay, Sephardim and, and, and Hasidim and in Israel in most cases they don't wear them at all. Ashkenazim did. Suppose it has to be whether you work or not. I don't do work anyhow, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> so, but that, be, that, that became uh, which one's right? Hmm. Right, you know, depend. And what? So they. So some people said, well, you know, we never had to. What do we do? So follow one of the rabbis, and that should become the tradition. Hopefully, it'll become the tradition in your family. Somebody else in the future will also put on fillings. So again, you need some sort of benchmark, if you will, some sort of category that you can do it, and, and it's specifically in the realms of eating, because as we've seen, the whole concept of purity and everything else that relates to it is really very critical. And this concept of table fellowship, very uh, is really critical at this point. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Okay, now we're not talking about just bringing snacks. Bitochasuda, meaning it's part of the meal. What does that presume? It presumes beer cup, but it presumes they've had bread, which means they've already said mozi. Okay? Okay, te'inim are figs and anavim. Okay, now, why are those two important? They're different brachot. Okay, okay, we've talked about the anavim and the yayin of being something very special. But I thought if your meal is, if you make a bracha... That's the question. You're answering the question as usual. <laughs> Give me a chance, let's the Talmud kind of, you know... Work it out for you and see if they agree with you. That's my daddy. Ben. Yeah, I, I, I know it is. I, I can tell. Okay, Rav Huna. Okay, and Rav Huna again is also very important. Tuunim bracha lifnehem. You have to say a bracha, or if you had a mob, or if you had AIDS, whatever the case may be, but you don't need a special one afterwards. What one would you say afterwards? Mayen hmm? shalosh, because you're not okay, presumably. Okay, so you don't need that. V'chein. So he's brought a good deal. The Talmud's brought a good deal of proof. 
ששת אמר, טיעונים ברכה, בין לפניהם, בין על אחריהם, שאין לך דבר שטעון ברכה לפניו, ואין טעון ברכה לאחריו, אלא פת הבאה בחיסנין בלבד. אוקיי, אז רב ששת עכשיו יש לו פרינציפל. which says, if you're going to say a bracha beforehand, then by necessity you have to say a bracha afterwards. Don't tell me that you're going to say a bracha in the midst of the suda or at any time and not say one afterwards. Why would he think that to be the case? Because it was probably done. I mean, there were people who didn't... No, 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 but why would he think that, that you would have to say one afterwards? Because the Torah commands... Right, the Torah basically says, yeah. the, the question of the savata we're going to come to yet. Of being satisfied, but it, the, the Torah does not talk about brachot lifnehem. Doesn't talk about blessings in advance. We learned it sort of through the rabbinic mind, but the Torah clearly says v'chalta v'savata uveirachta. Okay, and so if I'm going to say a bracha beforehand, which is if you will the rabbanan, okay, by the rabbinic injunction, alachat kama v'kama, even the more so should I say one afterwards. Which is midoraita, which is, comes from the Torah itself. Okay, so his his logic. We're just dealing with the logic, and that's the case. Ela pat haba bekisanim. Pat haba bekisanim seems to be some sort of delicacy. How do they translate it? With sugar or something? Sweetened bread. Sweetened bread. Okay, it wasn't actual <coughs> bread, and it was seen to be a some sort of snack. Okay. Bamba. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right. So I mean, Steinzel says ma'afet memutak umitubal. What's mitubal? Boiled. Right. So it's it, it's probably like the Yemenite dough that you that you can get. After, what's it called? You know what I'm referring to. It's it's, it's dough that's simply sugared and and, and fr- fried or boiled. I forget what they call it. Okay. That's good. Okay. It's that's my guess. Something like that. In that case, he doesn't think you need one before and after. He doesn't need one after. Um, why? 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 It's a snack. Because it's a snack. Correct. The Rashi says the lopatar elamide de zayan vahani lo meaning mazun fulfillment. You're not savata. You know, it's what what I what, what I do a lot is called grazing. You know, you take a little fishnip there, and something's on the counter here, and you go into a closet there. You know, nashing, correct? I say nishnesh, right? It became a great word in Hebrew. All right, but now, so what what this is is it goes back even earlier. There's a disagreement. Their their views are based on on a disagreement with Rabbi with with, with Rabbi Chia. Ah, so okay. So if you say Hamotzi Aretz, you really shouldn't have to say anything else. Correct. Correct. And if you've drunk, if you had wine and said Borei Priyagafen. If you have wine during the meal, if you have water during the meal, or juice during the meal, you shouldn't have to say anything else. Poter komine mashkim. Okay? That. And, and that seems to be the case. So, let's look, um, let's look at, at, at Rashi at the top of the page here. Pataba abekisanin. You see it? Right at the top of the page on your right hand side. They're like nuts. What happened after they did Birkat Amazon? They brought snackies. Snackies, right. <laughs> they sat around the table and snacked away. Yeah, if they're Jews. <laughs> they're good for the heart. Remember that now. <laughs> so anybody says, "Well, I'm not supposed to eat these." Just you, Rashi told you they're good for the heart. <laughs> it's not the Rambam who was a doctor; it was Rashi was the vintner, so it doesn't help. Anybody. But he talked about the wine instead. Yeah, the wine he knew. The wine he knew. Be'alma. <laughs> Be'alma. It helps the lave. 
Okay. Um, mitzim iman imahen pat shek. They they also brought with them some sort of bread which was made kneaded with tavlin. Tavlinin today is spices. I mean, some sort of things. He go on, and that he, he gives the old French word, which I, I don't know. Okay, obledis, whatever that is. Shalano. So, in other words, even in Rashi's time, they used to do this. That's the interesting part. If you're looking at culinary stuff. Siporim veilanot. Okay, they didn't have chocolate fountains for bar mitzvahs, <laughs> but they used to make these doughs into look like birds yeah. or trees. Uh, and they would eat. They would take a little piece off it. Okay, they would take off a little piece off it, so it wasn't like a meal. It was, you know, after you had something, you got to eat something else, you know. So it works. Harbe. In other words, and since they put nuts and different kinds of things in it, and you only took a little piece, okay, you can imagine this is like, you know, you're sharing desserts. You're passing things around, or there's a thing in front of you, and you kind of hop a little piece, because you're already the savata, etc. You've done Birkata Mazon, etc. It's a delicacy now just to help this, you know, the digestive system as such. Let me just finish it off for you. Lohi nua bracha main shalosh. Because it's not the same thing. Okay? So this is what a patbakisanin is, and why you didn't need a bracha afterwards. So again, it tells you something about the way Rashi thought at least they ate, and how he ate as well. Okay? So, and not much changes. What happens very often if you, you know, you do Brikadamazon, you sit there and somebody brings out nuts or delicacies or whatever the case may be, and you sit and you schmooze as, as, as it goes on. You do, you do the bracha before. You may have said the bracha before, but you don't say it afterwards. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anything. This is where Papa now brings the halacha again. We don't. We don't know if you get a halacha, but it says anything that comes with the meal, as part of the meal, not separate from the meal, but as part of the meal. And and, and actually, Rashi said lafit by him to to kind of take up the gravy or whatever the case may be, or to help the digestive. You don't need a bracha before or bracha afterwards because presumably you've already said it. Okay, it's simply part of the meal, but. Okay, but something that is not part of the meal. What could that be? So Rashi says, Kigondaisa. Okay. Vechain kruv vitridin. Vitardin. Kruv. Cabbage. Tardin. Probably spinach is probably what it is. Okay. She'inan liftanu vain limazon vilasova. In other words, they're not simply at, they're not simply part of the meal. They fill you up, and since they fill you up, they may be not, they may need another bracha actually themselves. We'll see whether that's the halacha or not. But that's at least the way he's he's. It's not machmata suda. It's not really part of the meal itself. It has its own purpose per se. <laughs> Okay, lachara suda. If you're really going to eat something, okay. So it, it actually has. Here's a practical experience that I, that I actually have a lot. Um, weddings. Okay, those who are going to do berkada mazon and sheva brachot. Okay, today everybody does motzi in advance. Whether it's a fully kosher wedding or not a 
Okay, usually as usual, it's the oldest uncle, right, or the grandparents, and they and they play and they and they play tradition as they walk up. Right? Same thing as the bar mitzvahs, right? Well, you know, sunrise, sunset. I'm not going to tell you the songs already. You know, it's always the older songs where the old people walk up. Now, you know, it, it, as in my family, for instance, as some of the elders of the family have uh, have passed away, we now have a one of my cousins who's the mozi maker. You know, he's the oldest of the cousins. His job, that's his job. He should live for many years. If he does, if I comes to me, then I know something's wrong. <laughs> so, that being the tradition, and again, that very often happens, okay? So, that happens. How many people do Birkat Amazon afterwards? Okay? So, very often today, what you'll see at bar mitzvahs and weddings, and kosher ones too, even people about, they'll, they'll have benchers and leave them on the table. Oh, but we're not going to leave benching if anybody wants to use them. Etc. Oh, often is that the Birkatamazon is more important than Motsi. You can do Motsi on your own, Birkatamazon should be done, especially if it's a wedding with Sheva Brachot. So, some people come to me and say, if you go to quote Orthodox weddings very often, they'll do dancing for hours, they'll do everything else, and at the end of the meal, when nobody's left, they'll maybe get a minion together to do Sheva Brachot. Right? That's what, that, right at the very end, and people are exhausted, they've walked out, etc. So I say to people, I think Birkat Amazon and Shevachot is important. My suggestion is, and I'll work with the band, don't, and, and the and the the arranger, you know, the bridal arranger, etc., because they're the tough people who run the show anyhow. Okay, that let's do it after the main meal, before dessert, because I can still get everybody's attention, and I can still get. Most people being there, and it's not a bad idea to have people say Birkat Amazon and be part of Sheva Brachot. It's a nice ceremony, etc. Well, what's going to be? They're going to serve dessert. So this is my answer. Then, if you want to worry about, it, so you say a bracha beforehand, Borei Meimazonot or Borei Priyais, whatever you're eating. Somebody's really concerned about, it, they can say Barachame and Shalosh afterwards. Oh, really? We can do that? I said the brand takes a break anyhow. Everybody stands around not knowing what to do. Give me seven minutes it'll all handle be handled nicely and those who listen to me okay the bridal consultant is not happy no matter what um, it usually works out quite well and this is this is the text if you will okay so afterwards the response is so you want if it's those who are concerned about it I'm not that concerned about it at that point you say if you're having fruit or if you're having you know the delicacies cakes or whatever the bridal cake whatever the case may be so as we say a bracha beforehand and afterwards but the main thing, because otherwise what happens is either it stays to the very end and nobody's there, or I got to stay to the very end and nobody's there, or it's not said at all, which is frankly a shame when you come to, to, to really looking at the entire framework of the, the meal itself. And this is a text for it, if you will. Okay. Now, if I showed this to a bridal consultant and the bad leader, it wouldn't help. But you know, it does whatever. So I win some, I lose some. That's the way it works. I did Rikad Amazon anyhow, so, you know, as the case may be. Um, so, th this becomes the issue. Um, let, let's look at Iyunim first, bottom of the page. There were many discussions about this. Hai Gaon, okay, one of the Geonim in the ninth century or so. What does it mean that they're coming as a result of the meal? Meaning as part of the meal. Is that it means it has to be something that's normally you will have part of your meal, or all of a sudden they're bringing something which you never have part of your meal, but they're bringing it to the table? Maybe that because of the special nature, and it's not really part of a meal, and it should therefore not be included in the uh, specifics uh, of the bracha at the beginning. That you should say another bracha uh, in, in, with as well. Or, 
Hanifdarim. Okay, or does it mean that it's because you said Mahamotsi, etc.? Meaning, this was something that was discussed for generations. Rav Haigon is much la- is later than the Talmudic part, uh, and therefore the Geonim were still discussing what you do. So let's look at the halacha, and then next, looking over to Orach Halacha. I'm not sure, I have to look that one up. But the Baite doesn't matter. That's simply the source. Okay, that's simply the source. I can't. I don't know if it's not Shulchan Aruch. I'm not sure what what it is. Have you know what that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. I have to check it. Oh, that doesn't make sense either. Um, anyhow, in other words, it it, it still takes up, takes up everything. Okay, this is the one now. Dvarim Shabisuda. Okay, then it's really part of the meal itself. Okay, do not need any blessing. Okay, but if you're having fruit, because normally when you, is, is fruit part of the meal, it's, I mean, it's at the end, it's the, okay, that you say a bracha over. Okay, and I see this at my son-in-law's table all the time. Okay, they'll always bring fruit to the kids, and then they have to know that they have to say the bracha at the end over the payroll. There you go. Okay, and that's just, that's the source. Okay, so if you finish your meal and with the with what you've eaten, and then say berakat mazon, clearly the the perot need a bracha. Okay, now what happens? This is the next one. During the suda, you have wine. Wine, as we've seen, has a special bracha and a special status. Do you have to say a bracha over the wine in the middle of the meal, or not? You say it at the beginning. You get the question where part of it will be whether you said at the beginning or if you didn't say it at the beginning. But is that part of the meal or because of its essence, you didn't? If you said it at the meal, the beginning of the meal, in most cases you've said it as part of kiddush, etc. Okay. And when you think of where most of most of the time, either we drink we drink wine at the beginning or we say kiddush for Shabbos or Yantuf, and then we'll pull out wine. During the meal, or you may have, you know, sat in the, you know, in, in the living room, the family room, etc., had some wine, and then gone to the table. If it's not a Shabbos or Yantav, as such, right? When it's not really part of the meal, it's merely an aperitif, as such. Okay. So now they bring the the host brings out wine in the middle of the meal. Does it need a bracha or not? That's the question. Yes. Everybody's got the answer already, I know, but we'll give the Talmud a chance. <laughs> okay, why is that the case? You don't say bracha before or afterwards? His response? Okay, because the motzi is good enough. It takes care of everything. Oh, if that's the case, wine should be the case as well. Okay, that it needs a, a separate bracha. Why? Why? The Rashi says, "Become a mekomot uba muvarkim alav." The afal even because it, it basically wine has is of special nature. It's not like water. It's not like juice. You don't you know in in many societies clearly wine was something that was used as a delicacy. In some societies it's it's more of a staple, as the case may be. So the question becomes: if you're do if you're reciting if you if you're having the meal, do you have to do um, the blessings itself. So I actually looked online to see what the case was, and I found uh, from Yeshiva Hartzion, the Israel Kashitsky, I know Kashitsky family from Toronto, 
a virtual Beit Midrash, and the question became, reciting a blessing over wine during the meal. So up to today, it becomes a shaila as such. Um, so he, he writes, we know, I'm just going to read a section of this. We noted that Tosafot and others write that drinking is an integral part of the meal, and therefore no additional blessing is recited. Now remember, if you're Rashi's grandson, you better have wine as part of your meal. Right? And that was the case, he said, in France. The, another one disagreed and insisted that one should say a blessing before drinking, even during the meal. And so then they bring our section from Brachot, and the Gemara rules explicitly that one must recite a blessing over wine that one drinks during the meal as, and shani, etc. Wine is different because it is itself a motive for benediction, meaning you usually sanctify wine. There is no other some, uh, uh, liquid that we sanctify in the same realm. And then there's a whole, he's got a whole discussion of Rishonim uh, at, at what the case should be. Um, and finally, I'm just going to do a cup of this. Shulchan Aruch rules that one must say Borei before drinking wine during the meal, as wine does not exempt it, as, as bread does not exempt it. As for water and other beverages, although the Shulchan Aruch cites both opinions and suggests drinking a bit before the meal, with the attention that the blessing should exempt meals safe during the meal, the Ramah, who's the Ramosh Isilis, records it is customary not to say a drink, a blessing before drinking or before or during the meal. They go on, he goes on um, because wine was supposed to uh, do everything and finally I'll just think um, that's not good uh, we know that all agree that who, one who already said the blessing before drinking wine does not need to say another blessing before drinking other beverages so the point being that this discussion went on for many, many years. The Talmud does not resolve it. Uh, and uh, it, it seems to be because wine, again, has a special stature. And the question is, why are you drinking wine during the meal? If it's simply part of the meal, as it was in France, it's part of the meal. One would think that you wouldn't have to say it. If it was because it's sanctified... Uh, in, in certain kinds of ways, and you use it only for kiddush, you know, for birkat mazon over wine that we've seen before, etc., then maybe one should. And it remains, seems to be, a, uh, a discussion all, all along for, for many generations. In most cases today, you, if, you drink, if, you've drunk, if you've said the bracha beforehand, you don't have to do it, but the question becomes, if you've not done kiddush, and you've done, you're sitting down having a meal, and then they bring wine, do you have to say it or not? And we've seen this, there's a disagreement. Okay, because wine has this sanctified nature attached to it. And what would you do, really? That's a good question, and I don't think I've said Bori Birgafen, but I'm, maybe I should. They, they just make a point in here, yeah. uh, just how wine is really the only food you might make a brach on that you don't actually want to eat or, or drink. Right, because it, it, again, which is it, interesting. Right, which means because you're, you, you, I mean, it, 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 in France it was part of the meal. You know, for most of us it's simply part. Of it, you know, when we have a fancy meal, it's part of the meal. But there it was, you know, very different. And remember, in Talmudic times, what was wine? It was consecrate, conce, concentrated. You know, mm -hmm. coming from the grapes, and then put water, mazgu, and then they would put water into it afterwards. So it was a whole procedure. I know this is a big question, but when you say the blessing, is the wine sanctified, or is the moment and the experience? The wine is not. We do not believe in sanctified wine per sense. Okay, so you know, if you get Christians do, very big difference. We use the wine to sanctify the day. Okay, because the bracha is mekadesh shabbat, mekadesh zanim. The wine is the vehicle, and if you don't have wine, you can use bread, as you know, etc. When you know, will you? I will get very often. You know, you go to an interfaith dinner, or, or somebody will say, to you, "Would you please bless the wine?" That's very Christian concept. That's we don't do that. Okay, we don't bless the wine. We use the wine. So yes, you can use the wine for kiddush, etc. But you can say Borei Bregafen if you're, etc. But you're not blessing the wine. Now, wine, as we've seen all along, has a special status. You wouldn't have non-Jews touch all those things. But part of that was because the, the sanctity attached to it, both in idol worship and paganism, 
in libations, and clearly in Christianity. You're at a wedding, and they're going to have a bracha over the wine, and they're going to have a bracha over the bread. Which comes first? I always tell people to do the bread one over the wine first. Do the wine first, because the main you may not. It's simply that's going to be part of the meal. There's not a. I, I, again, I, and I instruct people. You know, it's like I wish I had a, a manual for the disc jockeys. <laughs> and now we're going to have Uncle Joe and Sa- and Aunt Sadie come up and you know and say the kiddush and mozi and the hamozi should say the hamozi. <laughs> Don't tell me you haven't heard it. <laughs> if you're not okay, first of all, it's not the hamozi, but mela. There, I always tell them there's no kiddush. There is no kiddush. You want to say the blessing over the wine? You can say the blessing over the wine. One vault, you know, two other old ankles and ants, you know, who are not going to be up there doing all the dancing with everybody else. Fine, I don't care. But I always tell them to do it beforehand, because there's a question of whether you have to do it afterwards. Uh, <clears throat> I believe that in, in the time of Rashi in France, water was so contaminated that they had to look for something else to drink. That's perhaps why wine was so could be great. Good. Thank you. Yeah, wine was a staple for sure in France, without a doubt. Um, and it still is. It still is, you know. And again, there are people, you know, you know. We'll sit, you know. We'll clearly at home. We'll, a Friday night, if it's just the two of us, we'll sit down and have kiddush and have wine during the thing. And invariably, we don't finish a bottle of wine Friday night, you know. So, oh, Monday night you sit down for a meal. Do you want to, have to pull out the wine? Because otherwise, it's going to go bad or whatever the case may be, right? I mean, it's just part of the meal at that point. It's not for kiddush on the Monday night or anything, you know. So, as you can see, I mean, I, 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 for us, most of us, it's part of the meal, so I don't believe it's necessary, but it, there was a Shiloh at least. Yes, sir? I could define a meal in terms of a very formal dinner with a menu. And the menu said wine, right. and then salad, soup, entree. What your mother used to and, do for you, and right. And, and I'll go even further. All that stuff is on the table. Or, or, or the, the dessert is on the table. It's not being brought. So does the meal end after dessert? Bench after dessert? Or some point earlier? I would think it's after dessert. Well, for every Jewish mother, it's after dessert. Well, you don't have room for dessert. <laughs> I mean, come on. But I put it on the... Uh, put it on the I, I got it, I got it. So uh, the answer is, you're right. It's not the... You know, it... it, it in a Jewish home, a dessert, you know, I had two grandmothers, God bless them, you know, and, and they were wonderful bakers. Uh, and Friday night, my job Friday night, once I got a car, was to pick up something from each of them every Friday so we'd have for Shabbos. So my mother never learned to bake, she never had to. And it was like, you took one of those, you didn't take the other one, you didn't like mine. That's how I grew up. So you had to have one of, one of each of them. So that was definitely part of the meal, believe me, otherwise you couldn't walk away from the table. Okay? Definitely part of the meal, but you could say it's you know you you get up from the table. Remember, many cases. Remember in Talmudic times, what was the table? Remember, you have this in Pesach time. It was like a TV table too. You move the table away, that kind of thing. Akirata Shulchan. Marcy, would you? Yeah, just wondering if those who are thinking you need to say Breitri Hadafin after you've said Hamotzi, also address that. The bracha afterwards, or if your would be enough. Your would be enough. Yeah, your would be enough. So that's yeah. interesting because yeah. of what you said before. Right. Right. So as you can see, I mean, I, as I say, I found it online because it, the question is an interesting one. It happens, does happen all the time, and clearly throughout the ages there was the continuing question. Um, and the Talmud, basically, again, wine is of a different category than anything else. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's keep going and see if we can do the next paragraph. Okay, so Ravuna seemed to have a good appetite. Okay. He ate Tlesar. Okay, he ate 13. Rifte, Rifte is bread. Vene Tlat, Tlat Bekaba. Okay, you know, a significant amount of. of Snacking. Let's put it that way. That's all we got to know. How did they translate it? Sam? This one doesn't. This one doesn't. The cow holds 24 Remember I gave you some of you this last year? Yeah. Okay, so the cow actually is uh, 24 beitzim. 
Okay, so that'll help you all, I know. 24 eggs, but that's significant. Right, that's a lot. I said he must have had a quite an appetite. For him, it was just a snack. Mm -hmm. You were that hungry? Everybody has their own way of defining a meal, Larry. You just did it, right? If you define a meal in a certain kind of way, that's your meal. That's he was, this was a snack. Okay, I, I have no picture of Rav Huna to know who he was, but I gather he was rather <laughs> stout guy. <laughs> you know, and you know, if that was a snack, you can imagine his meals. Okay, so uh -huh. okay, Rabbi Yehuda was working with his liberale son, okay, to help him get ready for a wedding, basically, with the family of Rabbi Yehuda Bar Chaviva. So, as you know, so they're getting ready. They bring out, you know, if you've all been part of wedding parties as such, they bring out snacks all day long, right? You shouldn't starve. Of course, if the bride and groom are, st are fasting, they don't get them, but that's their problem. <laughs> and look what they brought them, this thing that we talked about before, this sweetened bread or whatever. <laughs> no, no, this is different. This is different. <laughs> And he heard as he came there that they was, the guy said motzi. We said but Kisnin doesn't need motzi before. Literally, what am I hearing? Tzitzi. Okay, I don't think that's being translated. But is it translated though? No. Big means motzi. What's his language? What am I hearing here? Uh, you know, I was told that you didn't have to say a bracha. Is that what you're saying? I heard it sits. Does that mean you're saying Hamotzi lechem in Aretz? Amar relay. Yeah, that's what I did. There is a tradition, he said, from Rabbi Yehuda, from which Rabbi Mona quotes that you do say a bracha and. Ah, that's a pretty strong voice now. Shmuel's a very strong voice, the Babylonian Amora during the time of Rav, right at the beginning of the Talmudic period. It's not really what he meant. He said it wasn't really a halachaka Rabbi Mona. Okay, so. What what so what is it what did he really mean? Okay, Lachmaniot. We all know what Lachmania is. Right? A little a little chala. Okay, Marvin Arvin Bahen. This is known as a Ruv Katserot. Okay, a Ruv Katserot was picture Measharim, because that's how they used to live. If you've been in the courtyards of Measharim, they built they lived in courtyards. Why? Protection. They lived in inside, as such. The walls outside were were not habitable, as such. And what happened was the question is whether you had an eruv for Shabbos. If you were all part of one communal meal, then it's as if you are all part of one family, and you can carry from one to the next. It's like one public domain. But you had to have some sort of meal. Now, if you have a number of people together, it doesn't mean you have to have a meal. But you have to put bread, a communal meal, a communal meal off, if you will, in one person's apartment. And if you did, that meant that everybody was part of that thing. That's a ruv chaserot. And therefore, it says, "Me'arvin b'hem varchim motzi." They said, "Lachmaniot." These kind of 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 lachmaniot, which are more like patbikisnin, you can use as bread for an eruv chaserot, which means you have to be able to say hamotzi over them, which refers back to why Shmuel at least said halachaka ramona, because patbikisnin, you should say hamotzi. Okay, everybody with me? 
Okay? Shani Hatam. This is different. Why? That that they wrote food stuff is really for a meal. It wasn't for a snack. It wasn't they just happened to bring it out. That shows that there is a communal meal, whether you eat it or not, frankly, but then the communal meal, therefore, legislates that you can do this. So therefore, what would bracha if you were going to eat it? Clearly hamotzi. But when you didn't do your actual suda for it, you're not necessarily have to do it. Alright? So, um, let me just see. Let's do... Let's just do Orach Alakha right now and we'll finish off with that. Okay, so if you'll recall, we studied last year, I think it was last year, Rabbi Pam Barmash's. Um, okay, the question was, do you do Birkatamazon and what brachad you you say motzi, etc. This bra- this statement says that if you had enough food, that it's like kovea suda, okay, and it wasn't really bread but like bread, you should do Birkatamazon according to Kedivrei Rav Nachman, okay, because kavata sudacha, you have set your itself as a meal, and even though you may not have you know, real bread, but something like it, patbekisanin, etc., that's good enough. And that was part of, again, Rabbi Barmash's concept in terms of saying brachot, etc., before and after. This one is like a delicacy. It's not really bread in and of itself. Two couple more. Mesupakim, they're doubtful, they're not sure. Machmirim, normally. If you don't know the answer, what's the answer always? No. If you're not sure, it's better to be more stringent. So they're more stringent, and therefore, they're going to... It's not really Kovea Suda. And finally, Lachmaniyot. It's very soft and not really bread as we would know it. Okay, okay, and you say you would say because the delicacy is not bread itself. This guy. This guy. Yeah. Everybody's a guy. Archibald says that the uh, number thirteen is often used by the Talmud as an exaggerated figure. Right. Okay. Meaning, yeah, they didn't count it exactly, but he had a lot of stuff. He grazed and kept eating. And yeah, my, my son-in-law, one of my son-in-laws, I won't mention his name because I do, so he won't know who it is. You know, finishes the meal, and then we know we leave things out afterwards because he's going to continue to graze as the time goes on. Uh, you know, it's just part of the meal, etc. Yes, sir. Last question. Is the touchdown whether or not challah is taken as far as this food stuff is concerned? What do you mean challah is taken? Ter- if you're talking about bread. Ah, uh, no, that's a different story. Remember, you have to have a certain volume for challah to be taken, etc. That's a little different. Okay, so first of all, French And we did pretty well today. We'll keep moving next week. Thank you. Bless your